What's different between when I was a young lieutenant now is real-time access to news. So if something happens anywhere in the world, within seconds, depending on whether it's a social media or uh, national news, that is in the palm of every future officer's hand. So they have to understand this environment is nonstop, it's ever-changing, and they have to be able to adjust to that. Welcome to AUSA's Army Matters Podcast, focusing on what's important to the total Army community. We bring vital Army conversations and interviews on issues relevant to soldiers, military families, and all of you amazing Army supporters. Rotating each week, our show includes Soldier Today, Leading Great Teams, Family Voices, and Thought Leaders. Let's tune into the show. Yes. Okay. That's right. Okay. It, it's caffeine. <laughs> well, he probably has a uh, a little hazelnut foo-foo in his coffee with a dollop <laughs> of whipped cream. Isn't that right, Scott? That's how you like to drink your coffee, right? So, so Johnny, I have, you know, I'll go back to my first platoon star in the Army, Star First Class <laughs> Edward Phillips, who, at, as we were training ROTC cadets at Fort Bragg in the summer of 92, and I'm right out of Ranger School. And I'm putting cream and sugar, everything into the coffee I am. Yes, yes. And he looks at me and he goes, sir, officers put weakness in their coffee. Real <laughs> leaders, sergeants drink it black. <laughs> and I've never forgotten that. But I was like right out of ranger school where you want to consume every calorie possible. Yeah. So you'd be proud to know that I still drink. I had a Dunkin' Donuts coffee this morning with cream and sugar, but Starbucks and all that. No, thanks. It's just, uh, I'm still, I'm a, I'm a soldier for life. So I'm not drinking the frappuccinos and the half whip and I'm not there yet, but give me a year or so. Yeah, I am. I will drink weakness in my cup every day. I will drink a caramel macchiato vinte. You know, if they add some additional caramel or whipped cream, I'm all in. (laughs) <laughs> that's it that's it <laughs> whatever it takes you to, to keep us upright for long working days that's right that's right <laughs> all right well let, let's officially get started here hello everyone i'm colonel retired scott halstead from the center for leadership at the association of the united states army and welcome to this episode of army matters american soldiers and the country they protect demand exceptional and selfless service from commissioned officers the organization that educates, trains, inspires, and commissions the majority of those officers is Cadet Command. Today, I am honored to have a discussion with an incredible senior leader who fully understands the positive and profound impact of this nationwide program. Major General Johnny Davis currently serves as the Commanding General of the United States Army Cadet Command and Fort Knox, Kentucky. He and his team are responsible for both the Junior Reserve Officer Training Corps Program, or ROTC for short, that teaches citizenship, teamwork, and leadership to high school students, and the Senior ROTC Program that commissions exceptional officers for the total Army, the active component, the Army National Guard, and the United States Army Reserve. Today, we're going to discuss Johnny's leadership journey over his 33-year career, Cadet Command's vital and unique mission, And we're also going to learn more about the incredible young men and women that will soon be leading our nation. Johnny, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Scott. Johnny, let's start off with how you're doing. You and Stacy have raised six incredible daughters, 
right now you're in the middle of advanced camp, which is the crucible training event for ROTC cadets. And you're leading an organization with 274 host programs and hundreds of satellite programs across the nation. And as you and I talked about last night, you got home late. You've been traveling recently. So where do you get your energy? How do you stay sharp after all these years? I will tell you, first and foremost, continue to always invest in yourself first, physically, mentally, and spiritually. You have to take the time and invest in yourself. I didn't really, you know, early in my career think that was important, but as I continued this journey, and it's certainly a marathon and not a sprint, I began to really think about what does it take to invest in myself now that I'm approaching my mid-50s and, uh, you know, hanging out there with these young 18 and 19-year-olds. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, hey, Scott, you've been there. I know. And I never want to let them down, but uh, you still have to listen and learn. Uh, I still listen and learn despite over 30 plus years of service because there's so many that have shared their their thoughts with me. And I thought, hey, that's a great idea. I didn't think about that. So I continue to listen and learn. And I think I maintain an open and positive environment for those to approach me and say, hey, this is what's on my mind, general. <laughs> and I think that's so funny. Right. <laughs> with all due respect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, 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 sir, you got a moment? I love it. Yeah, young cadet just sent me a uh, <laughs> uh, just a few days ago his thoughts on how to uh, maintain the perfect infantry officer pipeline. I thought, okay, this is great. Right. <laughs> and then the third thing I would tell you, we should all have a mentor. Yeah. Someone out there uh, that we can talk to, throw some ideas past, and a lot of other things. Because as you continue your journey and witness success, you know, as the post commander and senior commanders, not many on this post I can look to, I can my other fellow uh, GOs, but many of us are deployed or gone all of the time. So I always uh, look to those around me, like Lieutenant General Clark, like others out there that I've, I've reached out to to say, hey, allow me to kiss the ring. Show me the way, Oracle. Right. So these are things that are, I think, very important. So invest in yourself, listen and learn, and then go out there and get a mentor. Right. And I'm biased here, but you know, when I think of all of your best leadership attributes, Johnny, you know, selflessness is number one, unyielding optimism is number two. It's no surprise for those of us who have known you this long, the army's like, we're just going to keep putting more into your <laughs> rucksack because you're just going to continue to build and lead great teams. And so it's interesting you mentioned Lieutenant General Ron Clark. You know, he and I had a, a long conversation earlier yeah. this week. He is one of my mentors, and it's amazing how a leader like General Clark, he mentors you, he mentors me. I mean, he's got a vast network of veterans, officers, non-commissioned officers that he selflessly invests in for the health of our Army. And, and, and I know you're the same way. You've got a, a great tree of teammates, subordinates that are like, hey, I'm just going to learn as much as I can from General Davis and, and enjoy the time that you give to them. I call them my pups. So, Johnny, speaking of mentors and role models, who inspired you when you were younger that played a key role in who you've become today? I will tell you throughout my journey, it is the friendships uh, to the wonderful men and women to my left and right, like you, Scott, that have continued to uh, motivate me, 
to continue my journey and tell my Army story. But when I look back on that initial calling, I still think about the time I spent with my grandfather in his garden. Now, my grandfather was a World War II vet, left in 1942, didn't come back till the war was, was complete in 1945. But when he returned to Wisconsin, he worked at a Wisconsin meatpacking factory for 40 years. But whenever I spent time with him as a little eight, nine, 10 year old in his garden, uh, which I loved, he always talked about his time serving the nation. And um, he never talked about his time working at the uh, factory, but he did talk about the friendships, the friends he lost, the uh, graciousness of the, the men and women to his left and right. And all that instilled in him this desire to just do the right thing and and serve our nation. So he was a, a true mentor, uh, and he was the one that that pulled me aside and says, "Hey, you know, service in any capacity is good, but consider you know uh, going to uh, college and maybe coming in as a young uh, lieutenant." Of course, I didn't know what that was, <laughs> but uh, I certainly remember that. Yep. My next mentor, I thought that had a profound impact on me was my first professor of military science at uh, New Mexico Military Institute in the late 80s. Lieutenant Colonel retired Antonio Pino was the most gracious, humble, dedicated, and he loved uh, to invest in his young cadets. And he was just a wonderful, quiet professional. He deployed as a young field artillery forward direction officer uh, FDO in Vietnam. And he was there 11 months. And then that 11 months uh, with an infantry regiment, an infantry battalion I was attached to, and I just never knew this. Right. But um, he fought so very hard. Silver Star, three Bronze Star Valors, and a Purple Heart. And then was uh, wounded and under hospital care for about seven or eight months. And then he returned to the force. And then that's where I saw him years later as my professor of military science. We still stay in contact today, but every time I speak with him, I'm filled with goosebumps, and he has not changed one bit. Uh, and right now, he spends his time on his little rose garden, taking care of each and every one. Right. But him and his family have had such a powerful impact on me, and I cannot stop serving because I think of what he's done and, and dedicated himself to me and this nation. You know, Johnny, as you talk about Lieutenant Colonel Retired Antonio Pino and, and his exceptional service, and that's what makes our profession so wonderful. It's the relationship. It's the shared hardships. It's all this thing we do as members of team. It just, it's why we serve. That's right. Relationships matter and service matters. Well, we have to take a break, but we'll be back in a moment with General Davis and more on his role as the Commanding General of Cadet Command. Join AUSA, the Army's premier professional association and host of the largest land power exposition in the United States. AUSA is open to everyone, including all ranks and components. So whether you have a relationship with the U.S. Army or simply want to honor those who serve, you can learn more at AUSA.org join. Welcome back to Army Matters. We're here with my good friend, Major General Johnny Davis. So let's talk about the opportunities that you and your leaders face across Cadet Command. And where do you place command emphasis? When you think of Army Senior ROTC, I will tell you 
we are by far the largest commissioning source in the Army. Two-thirds of our Army officer corps every single year is made up of ROTC grads, 6,000 plus every single year. And I have the largest scholarship fund. And let me tell you, I love going broke. And uh, my scholar annual scholarship budget is $340 million. So what does that mean? I'm present at over 274 campuses. That means there's a lieutenant colonel, a master sergeant, a recruiting officer, a log tech, some instructors. And these are at schools that you and I know, Ohio State, Vanderbilt, Princeton, Harvard, you name it, they are present. We have over 27,000 ROTC cadets in the nation. What that means is ROTC is a path. For me, it was that path. I needed a way to pay for college. But first and foremost, it's education first. We allow college students to be college students while attending ROTC classes. And then we bring them here to cadet summer training. That's what's happening right now. Almost 9,000 cadets. And then we allow them to see themselves as developing leaders. That's the whole purpose here. So that's really the senior Army ROTC in a nutshell. The junior Army ROTC is really, our, the, I think, our nation's best citizenship course. It's about 180-hour elective for high school sophomores, juniors, and seniors, and it's focused on three big things, civics, leadership, and teamwork. And we are in about 1,700 high schools. That's only about 5% of high schools, and there's almost 270,000 cadets. And that's led by about 3,700 soldiers for life. That means their instructors are retired colonels, lieutenant colonels, sergeant majors, and master sergeants who've retired from the active army or the National Guard and Reserve and decided to dedicate more of their time. Uh, as high school JROTC instructors. We're focused on cyber, STEM, robotics, artificial intelligence. We're running a flight academy. You name it, this is what the future of JROTC is. And it is a wonderful citizenship program. We provide a uniform and they love it. They show up as part of the color guard for all of the high school events. And it's just something to see them out there with the thousands of mom and dads out there who attend and see their sons and daughters in Army uh, JRTC. So about 60% of my JRTC and senior RTC departments are really in the Southeast and along the East Coast. So we're not heavily placed in states like the Midwest. I'm from Wisconsin. Your lovely wife's from Wisconsin. Wisconsin, where I grew up in Milwaukee, is only one JRTC in all of Milwaukee. Uh, and I think four in all of Wisconsin, Minnesota, another three. Uh, whereas in the Southeast, like North Carolina, Georgia, we'll have 70 programs. So that's something that I, I'm really starting to take a look at. How are we distributed equally across the United States, especially in the Midwest, Southwest, and the West Coast? Right. And that's where we need to grow and expand so that the public have access to our great uh, army. That's such an important point as, as we talk about the critical need of, you know, attracting, recruiting, and bringing this talent into ROTC yeah. that represents, you know, all of America across our 50 states and territories. Yeah. That seems like a, 
hugely important next step is to make sure that uh, your programs go where the talent is located. That's right. You know, your cadets are about to enter a really volatile and uncertain world. Those who have been in the program for a year or two, they've watched the Army end a 20-year commitment to Afghanistan. They've watched the United States Army and NATO response to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Yeah. As you do battlefield circulation, you talk to cadets, you know, what kind of questions are they asking you about their role in the Army, knowing that you spent the majority of the past 20 years in places like in Iraq and Afghanistan? What's on their mind? As I open my briefs, I brief every regiment and I open it up to questions. And they, I think, eight of the last 10 have asked a question along the same lines of what you've talked about. Hey, given this uncertain and volatile world, what's different now that was as different with you? Well, I will tell you, and I've shared this with them, since the the late 80s when you and I were running around uh, to now, I will share that the character of war has certainly changed. Yep. Uh, And there's so many different things. Now, warfare is an all-domain fight. Uh, It's not one-dimensional as what you and I would remember, use of air and ground assets. Now you have space, air, ground, you name it. The use of artificial intelligence, directed energy, persistent surveillance, uh, electronic warfare, and more importantly, what's different between when I was a young lieutenant now is real-time access to news. So if something happens anywhere in the world, Within seconds, depending on whether it's a social media or uh, national news, that is in the palm of every future officer's hand. So they have to understand this environment is nonstop, it's ever-changing, and they have to be able to adjust to that. The lieutenants of today, I think, are operating at like the captains or majors of when you and I were lieutenants. That's how much this world has changed. Yeah, when you and I were cadets, we were we learned the Soviet order of battle, and right, you know, we didn't really train as you know we were broken apart from our company level commander. We we fought as platoons and companies, and not only do we, will these cadets as young officers have greater authority, responsibility, and accountability that comes with that, but the trust relationships. It's so important for our more senior leaders to go, hey, I've got to provide clear intent and I've got to trust and empower you because I may not see you for a couple of days or our communications will be disrupted and you're working off of the last order or the intent that I provided. As I've studied the way that, that you and your cadre are, are running cadet summer training, that seems those opportunities of cadets making decisions with very unclear you know, operating environments, I think that's going to help them thrive when they get out there and, and build, lead their own teams across the total army and they lose communication with their commander and they've got to step up and, and make decisions that they're maybe not ready for. So right. I, I love that comparison. And I also share what's the expectation pinning on second lieutenant and becoming a leader. And I tell them, hey, we're not asking you to lead brigades and divisions as a second lieutenant. We just want them to master the duties and responsibilities of the 30 or 40 men and women, our nation's greatest treasure assigned to them, and then focus and master the basics. Right. That's so very important. That's what I want them to do. I'm not asking them to fight a you know uh, cyber attack and artificial intelligence. I just want them to be able to 
shoot, move, and communicate as a team right. and understand the very basics. I've had the opportunity to work with countless incredible young ROTC graduates. And, and, I've, and again, I've studied your current program. I love the emphasis that you and your team have on character. Okay. I like to close our, our podcast by asking all of our guests about what they read. And so are there any leadership books that you really enjoy? And because of your position, I wonder if you, do you share those books or recommend books to your cadre and cadets? A recent book that I would highly recommend because it's had an impact on me uh, is Grit <laughs> by Angela Duckworth. Yep. Uh, really well written. And I would recommend everybody pick that book up. I tell you, any Malcolm Gladwell book, Blink, Outliers, et cetera, that would be something to take a look at. The Mission, The Men and Me by Pete Blaber. Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. And one other book, uh, The Power of Giving Away Power uh, by Matthew Barzun. So hopefully I didn't throw that too fast at you. Those are just the, the five that came to mind. Uh, this Kind of War is another one. That's a good read. It really talks about warfare, especially uh, during the Korean War. Uh, but I'll tell you, Grit by Angela Duckworth is really uh, profound. Uh, and like I said, very well written. The one thing I love is Angela Duckworth, a lot of her research on grit was done by studying cadets. Cadets at West Point. That's right. Right. And so, you know, the the exceptional young men and women that, that you and your cadre are leading, training, inspiring, that was the basis of her book. And so, yeah, I, awesome reading list. Um, you know, you and I are, you know, we're in our 50s and we made a ton of mistakes over the course of our careers. I wonder if those books resonate with cadets like they do, you know, leaders like you and me. Are they reading the same stuff or is it they're looking for something different at this point? Yeah, I, th I think they're reading it, but to be honest with you, I think they're just trying to understand the basics of being a leader in the military. So whether it's the AR 600-20, hey, what's the responsibilities of a leader, or whether it's uh, the field manuals on tactics, I think that's where a lot of their heads are right now. Sure. And this is more of, okay, after you master that or continue to master it, hey, put this in your rucksack. Uh, whether it's an audio or a hard copy, you know, these are something that as you continue to invest in yourself uh, to pull aside. And, and once they open the book and start reading, I don't think they'll put it down. I think you're right. I, I was not a big reader as a, as a cadet. I was focused on my academics. You know, I was just trying to. That's right. <laughs> I just wanted to graduate. <laughs> right. Pass my courses and get a commission. But uh, those are great books. I appreciate you sharing with us. So, General Davis, any closing comments, any final thoughts for our listeners? Yeah. Yeah, first of all, yeah, thanks. I would tell you this has been a wonderful uh, opportunity to share my Army story, but I would ask you to don't stop. I want you to go out there and get as many Army senior leaders as you can because they need to also share their Army story and what they've learned throughout their journey. And I think that's so very important. And this is the right uh, venue to do it. Mission accepted. Johnny, I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. And thank you for what you and your team are doing to produce, you know, 6,000 plus commissioned officers every year for our Army and the nation. That's just an incredible mission. And I can think of no one better to lead such a huge and important enterprise. 
To all our listeners, thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Army Matters podcast on iTunes and everywhere podcasts are found. The Army Matters podcast series is brought to you by the Association of the United States Army, the U.S. Army's professional association, member-supported, Army-connected. Visit us at AUSA.org for more information or to become a member. Your membership helps AUSA continue to carry out its mission to educate, inform, and connect with the total Army, our industry partners, and our supporters of a strong national defense. For questions or to provide topic recommendations, email us at podcast at AUSA.org. Have a great Army Day. Hua.